0: Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language of this podcast are of an adult nature, and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and even in some cases, offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. You know what? There's adult content ahead, and you have been warned. Welcome heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I'm your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and even unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, we have another bizarre creature feature today. I know, I'm all about the rhyming today. I'm so sorry. So, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation is yours, so pick your poison accordingly, my darlings. Alright, now for the game part. How about every time I say creature, that's going to be a single shot. And every time I say fairy, that'll be a double shot. All right. Now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump into today's Dark Enigma head first. and the bizarre encounters with real life fairy tale creatures. Ah, oh, far Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Ah, fairy tales. Every child loves them. Cue Frozen's Let It Go. Come on, sing it. Let it go. Let it go. Okay, I sing horribly. I won't do that to you. But as you know, the stories that we see on Disney aren't anything close to what their real stories were or what they were even intended to be. Most of the tales that we now know have been watered down and made more palatable for our young ones. But fairy tales were originally dark disturbing, and very violent. But amongst the many monsters, beasts, and assorted entities within the world of the weird, there are those that stand out as being particularly bizarre. These are the creatures that seem to occupy their own realm of high strangeness, lying out on the dark fringes of the unexplained in a territory inhabited by things that defy classification. Surely to be counted among the denizens of this domain, are the various creatures allegedly encountered all over the world that can only be described as beings from fairy tales, as if they had literally stepped off the page and into the real world. But how can this be? Are fairy tales based on these very real entities, or are they just the product of a fanciful imagination? One of the most prolific and widely reported types of fairy tale creature encounters concerns gnomes and other assorted little people. Anybody who makes a short joke, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. And there is actually a surprisingly large number of such sightings from all over the world. In many of these cases, the term gnome isn't even a nickname just given to some unidentified small humanoid, but rather denotes a literal gnome straight out of a fairy tale, complete with cap, boots, and even their gnomish little clothes. (laughs) One bizarre report comes from a witness who had just moved to Puerto Rico with his mother, and he was just 17 years old. He claimed that one day he had gone to take a shower and suddenly heard the family dog frantically barking at something outside. It seemed that the dog was quite worked up and upset over something, so the witness got out of the shower to go take a look out the window, where he saw something far weirder than what he had probably been expecting. There in the yard, lurking behind a tree, was what the witness described as a diminutive man dressed completely in white and complete with a white cone-shaped hat and white pointed shoes. The odd little man apparently stared at the witness for a moment and proceeded to vanish into thin air. A few days later, the strange creature appeared again, this time outside of the witness's window. Hopefully he wasn't in the shower this time. Maybe he was trying to get a peek. The strange tiny man then smiled and disappeared again until a few days later when he appeared yet again. This time, the witness claims to have tried to communicate with it, asking it what its name was, to which it surprisingly replied that its name was Sebastian Pulazar. That is, without a doubt, the best gnome name ever, Sebastian Pullazar. I love it. Things had gotten so incredibly odd that the witness, who had to this point not mentioned it to anybody else, finally told his mother, who, well, not surprisingly, didn't believe him. The witness then called out to the gnome by name, and it apparently appeared out of nowhere right there in front of them, which of course made his mother scream out in shock, because, you know, when a tiny little man magically appears out of nowhere, you scream. And I'm guessing, piss yourself. This gnome reportedly would continue to make regular appearances around the house and in the yard until the family, well, had had enough and finally moved out. Another case of a family that was plagued by an apparent gnome has a decidedly ominous overtone. This story starts with a woman known only as Tammy, who moved with her three children to a rural farmhouse near the town of Porterville, California, just off the Tool River in around 2004. Things, well, they got odd almost immediately, as Tammy claimed that she often felt the heavy sense of being watched, at times almost feeling the gravity of eyes upon her, but there was never anyone around during these episodes. It did not take long for her to realize that this phenomena happened most often and most intensely when she was near the barn, which sat in a secluded corner of the rather large 100-acre property. Indeed in the coming days the barn took on quite a sinister air seeming to emanate a cold chill and spooking the many animals the farm the family owned including dogs a cat chickens turkeys and even a duck because what the fuck you have to have a duck Although they tended to wander all over the property none of these animals would go anywhere near the barn as if repelled by some unseen force lodged within Indeed, she deserved that none of the neighbor's animals, strays, or wildlife would go near the spooky old ass barn either. Whenever any animals passed the barn, they would give it a wide berth, and on many occasions would act strangely in its presence, staring at it as if something were there staring back. The dogs would sometimes go nuts around the barn, barking and yipping excitedly, even though no one was there. Sometimes, there could be heard strange noises coming from within the barn, which sounded like grunts, growls, and squeals. To add a layer to the thickening air of foreboding, Tammy claimed that she began to notice several of her animals had begun to go missing, gone without a trace, and it was immediately suspected that the menacing barn had had something to do with it. And you know my answer to that, aliens, because it's always aliens. Anyways... Tammy chalked it all up to nerves and perhaps rats or wildlife nesting in the barn and explained the missing animals away as having just run off or even have been killed by a coyote. But one frightening encounter would convince her that it was something a little bit more than that. One evening, Tammy returned from town with her son, parked the car, but as she exited the vehicle and went to get some groceries out of the trunk, she claims that she saw a fleeting movement in the periphery of her vision. When she looked up, there was nothing there, and she went back to unloading the groceries. But almost immediately, there was another movement, this time punctuated by an insidious laugh. Mwahaha! She would later say, and I quote, This time, I heard a very freaky, very evil-sounding chuckle. I looked in the direction of the sound, and there was standing about 50 yards from my son, and I was what I can only describe as a gnome. Standing there, about 50 yards away, was what she described as a humanoid creature about three feet tall, which sported a beard and was wearing baggy black pants, a gold-colored shirt, and a red pointy cap, because fashion, people, fashion. For a moment, it just stood there staring at her and her son with deep-set dead black eyes, as as if studying them, but then things took a turn for the sinister, and Tammy would say, That thing grinned at us, and the creepy grin spread from ear to ear, and its teeth were a gross brown and pointed, or jagged. It had a bulbous nose and large, deep-set eyes, though I really couldn't tell the color of them. I never got a closer look at it, and don't know if it was wearing shoes or not, because at that moment, I dropped my groceries, grabbed my son, and ran for the house. Because, well, you know, creepy-ass grins and all, I'm with her. As soon as Tammy and her son had entered the house and slammed the door behind them, she began frantically telling her daughters what had happened between deep gasps, because drama. Somewhere outside, the strange little man was still cackling, and there was a movement by the window. The terrified family looked out to see what it was, and as they approached the window they could see the top of the red pointed cap loom into view, which was especially odd considering this particular window was located around 8 feet off the ground. Tammy closed the blinds, moved her children well away from the window, and waited there breathlessly until the thing finally went away. And I'm just going to point out, at this point, why has nobody called 911? Okay, never mind. This would be the only direct sighting of the evil little gnome, but Tammy would occasionally hear that same ominous chuckling issuing forth from the shunned barn. She would later say, after that night, whenever the dogs barked or howled, we were pretty sure we knew what they were barking at. We were also pretty sure of where our missing poultry had gone. From time to time, we would hear a weird creepy chuckle and other noises coming from that old barn. Just gonna say, you know, If you're having a creepy little gnome that's living in your barn and he's eating your chicken, you know what? Put out a plate of chicken for him. Maybe he'll leave your ass alone. That's what I'm saying. Anyways, interestingly, this is not the end of the story. Tammy and her family would eventually move away and a new family would move into the house in 2010. This new family, too, immediately noticed that there was something weird going on with that decrepit old barn. One evening in the early morning hours, the couple woke to the sound of a raspy, gurgling singing, which chilled them to the bone. When they looked out the window, they could see standing by a small pond on the property, a creature standing around three feet in height, and wearing maroon pants and a baggy yellow shirt with a brown vest and dark waistcoat. because once again, fashion people. The thing was described as having a bushy gray beard and wearing a tall, pointed reddish hat. I'm just going to say, are these things like colorblind because seriously, yellow, brown, dark waist and a red hat? I'm just going to say, seriously, what's up with that? The eyes of the being were said to be small and black and its teeth were discolored, jagged and sharp to the point of looking almost broken. The creature seemed to know it was being watched and apparently stared right back at them before snatching one of their expensive koi fish they had stocked the pond with and jamming it into his mouth with glee. The husband allegedly shouted at it to go away, and it actually apparently gave him the finger before running off and laughing. All right, I don't know about you, but evil gnome or not, I'm going to just love the fact that he shoved the fish in his mouth, flipped him off, and said, fuck you, and ran off laughing. I'm already liking this gnome. When the area was examined later, a set of footprints were found that were about the size of a small child's. Whatever this thing was apparently was... It really liked that pond because it would purportedly be seen there very numerous times, always in the early morning hours at around 3 a.m. and often eating the fish within. It also rather amusingly seemed to like playing with the garden gnome decorations that had been set up there. Fed up with their strange intruder, the husband then apparently took away the lawn ornaments and fish which caused the gnome to one night throw a temper tantrum, stomping around and shouting out in some garbled bizarre language. The thing would skirt around the house, banging on the walls and testing the locked doors at night before the family had had enough and moved away. The interesting thing about this case is that at the time, this family had had no idea that the previous family had experienced similar bizarre incidents. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm not a real estate professional, and I'm sure there's a few real estate professionals out there. You know, if somebody dies in the house and is purportedly haunted, don't you have to tell them that? So if there's like an imaginary gnome that's going around fucking with you, don't you have to tell them about that, no matter how crazy you sound? Somebody send me an email on that. I really want to know the answer to that. Anyways, tales like this go farther back in time, and one early account of an apparent gnome comes from the rural town of Farmersville, Texas, from 1913. The witness, a man by the name of Silby Latham, claimed that while he and his two brothers were out toiling away on their cotton farm, one day their dogs began to bark and snarl off in the distance. The brothers thought nothing of it at first, but the barking and growling became steadily more intense and chaotic until they decided that it was probably best to see what was disturbing the animal so much. When Clyde, the oldest of the brothers, went to have a look, he shouted to the others that he could see that the dogs were upset by a little man. When the others ran to go see what he meant, they were purportedly met with the sight of a diminutive humanoid around 18 inches tall and a dark green in color and wearing a large pointed hat, and the thing was just standing there with its arms at its sides. Sylvie would describe describe the scene as thus, "'He didn't seem to have any shoes,' but I don't really remember his feet. Well, Why mention the shoes if you don't remember the feet? Okay, never mind. His arms were hanging down just beside him, like they was growed down the side of him. He had on a kind of hat that reminded me of a Mexican hat. It was a little round hat that looked like it was built onto him. He didn't have on any clothes. Everything looked like a rubber suit, including the hat. He just stood still. I guess he was just scared to death right after we got there, the dogs jumped him. I'm just going to say, I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful lot like aliens. Okay. Apparently, the dogs ravaged the little creature, tearing it apart, although, of course, the body has become lost to the mists of time, as is often the case in, you know, many of these stories. Another early report from 1919 was told by a witness by the name of Harry Anderson, Yes, everybody do the obligatory. Mr. Anderson claimed that one night when he was 13, he had seen a procession of around 20 tiny men marching along in the moonlight. The strange little people were described as having pale white skin and wearing leather knee pants and suspenders. The odd little humanoids were walking along in a single file line and allegedly chattering with each other in some unintelligible language. Although Harry was terrified, the creatures marched right on by him and didn't even seem to notice that he was there. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm just saying, 20 little tiny men, little knee pants, little suspenders, I'm having too much fun. Alright, starting from 1952, when he was just a child, the household of Dan Bortko of Wendote County, Kansas, would be haunted by a gnome for many years. The family had moved to a two-story home on a rural farm property in Liberty, Missouri. Complete with a barn and from a very young age, Bortko claims he frequently saw a small humanoid about three feet tall and fully decked out in German lederhosen, and with a smoking pipe lurking about their house, often appearing in his room at night. The creature would often stand there looking at him before smiling or winking and disappearing through the closet. Bortko also said that he would often look outside his window at night to see little people congregating out around the barn. He once drew a picture of the one that he'd seen up close, and it was so frightening to his little brother that he would cry whenever he saw it. Bortko would say of his first encounter with the creature, and I quote, I had just awakened from a nap and was rubbing my eyes and saw what you would call a troll. I'll call him a troll because that's what he reminded me of. It was an old man with a long beard, large nose, about three feet tall, standing at the foot of my bed, and I was astounded. I'm going to say if there's a three-foot man standing at the foot of my bed, I'm going to kick his ass. There was another case in the early 1960s from a witness known only as Jerry, who claimed that he saw a gnome or troll at his home in Orange, New Jersey. Jerry claimed that one day he had gone outside into the backyard and seen a small gnome-like man with a long beard standing by the steps leading up to the porch. According to the witness, the little man had funny clothes on and a pointed hat and all. Years later, this strange creature would make another appearance at the home, when Jerry's five-year-old nephew woke from a nap crying to run downstairs and claim that he had been woken by a small man with a flowing white beard, who had been staring at him as he slept. And, of course, America is not the only place where such encounters have allegedly occurred. One place that seems to have been plagued by gnomes in recent years is the country of Argentina, where they are called Duandes, and have a heavy presence in the folklore of the region. In 2008, the Argentine town of General Guemes, in the province of Salta, Argentina, was stalked by a strange miniature humanoid that allegedly wore a tall pointed hat and moved about in an odd sideways gait. Many of the locals reported seeing the thing lurking about at night and in the early morning hours, to the point that residents were in rather a state of panic, and even called the police chief of the town, Police Commissioner Jose Luis Núñez, and he himself claimed to have seen such a creature when he was a child. Out of all the reports, perhaps the most dramatic was that of a man who claimed to have even captured the being on film. A young man named Jose Alvarez reported to the Argentine newspaper El Tribuno that he and his friends had encountered the little beast one night while out chatting about a fishing trip that they had been on. The video shows the men standing around talking before they sight a strange, pointy-capped humanoid move across the street in a sideways manner before the scene devolves into cries of panic and terror. Alvarez would say of the incident, and I quote, We were chatting about our last fishing trip. It was one in the morning. I began to film a bit with my mobile phone while the others were chatting and joking. Suddenly, we heard something. A weird noise. As if someone was throwing stones. We looked to one side and saw that the grass was moving. To begin with, we thought it was a dog. But when we saw this gnome-like figure begin to emerge, we were really afraid. This is no joke. We're still afraid to go out, just like everyone else in the neighborhood now. One of my friends was so scared after seeing that thing that we had to take him to the hospital. I'm just going to say he got the vapors and fainted. All right. In 2011, another town in Argentina by the name of Santiago del Estero experienced a series of rather violent incidents involving a tiny imp-like creature described as having large pointed ears and wearing an oversized hat. Witnesses said that it was often seen to move about in an awkward sideways gait, very much like the creature described from Guemis. This gnome was reported by numerous citizens to stalk people at night and in the pre-dawn hours and to rush in to savagely punch them, knock them off their bikes, or chase them down the street, to the point that police were issuing warnings for people not to wander alone at night. Indeed, there were even several sightings of the bizarre entity made by startled police officers as well, A priest, Father Juan Cruz Farina of the San Miguel Archangel Church, believed that the creature could be a product of magic, and suggested that an exorcism might solve the problem. I'm going to say less alcohol might solve that problem, but that's just me. Perhaps related somewhat to these gnome sightings are similar accounts of smallish humanoids, beings that are often described as elves. The country of Iceland, which by the way, I love the country of Iceland. If I ever get the chance to go there, I totally want to go there. They believe in all kinds of shit and those people are awesome. So Iceland, if you're listening, I love you people. I love you. Alright, so the country of Iceland in particular, which has ancient folklore steeped in tales of elves, seems to have a rather intense concentration of such encounters. Indeed, the majority of Icelanders firmly believe that elves are very real, and such accounts aren't really seen as particularly unusual here. So strong is this belief that in early 2012, the MP for the Independence Party, Arne Jonsson, had a 30-ton boulder moved from Sandskied in southwest Iceland to his home, Håftabål, to protect it from being destroyed by the widening of the South Iceland Ring Road, because it was believed to be the home of three generations of elves that were credited with saving his life in a car crash in 2010. According to Johnson, the accident caused his SUV to flip along and land next to the boulder, which had been situated along the highway. Although the vehicle had been totaled, Johnson himself was completely unharmed, and he suspected that this good fortune had had something to do with the massive boulder his overturned car had come to rest beside, a notion that was confirmed by a, get it, you gotta hear it, an elf specialist. That's right. This is a real occupation in Iceland and his name, and I'm going to butcher it, so don't even ask. It's Ranghildur Jónsdóttir. Yeah, I tried that five times before I got that. And he was so amazed to see so many elves inhabiting this one boulder. Okay, first of all, elf specialist, car overturning to a boulder, and he's attributing this to elves, but no mention of airbags. Okay, we're moving on. Claims of elves inhabiting natural features of the landscape are not uncommon at all in Iceland, and the creatures are said to actually be quite fiercely protective of their territory, as can be seen in the 1970s, when efforts to remove a massive boulder during construction efforts on a road in Kopvagar met with failure due to numerous unexplained equipment malfunctions and illnesses amongst the workers, which locals attributed to the elves known to live within the boulder. There were so many freak breakdowns and malfunctions experienced by the construction crew that, in fact, it was eventually decided to leave the boulder where it was no matter how inconvenient it would prove to be. I love it. People in Iceland, man, you guys are great. In 1996, when bulldozers were attempting to level a hill, also in Kopavagar, in order to make way for the construction of a graveyard, strange things began to occur there as well. According to a bulldozer operator at the time, Hutcher Hröjrtsson, During the operation, two bulldozers continuously malfunctioned, even though there was no discernible reason, and inspections turned up absolutely no problems with the machines. I'm going to say it, I believe in gremlins, and gremlins are real. In addition to these equipment breakdowns, news crews who arrived at the scene claimed that their cameras would mysteriously cease functioning when trained on the hill, even though they worked as expected anywhere else. The stubborn problems dogged the construction team so relentlessly that specialists were brought in to try and communicate with the elves, after which the machinery started working normally again, and the bulldozers would allegedly have no further mishaps. Similarly, in 2013, various equipment failures created hurdles for the building of a road road from the Aftanis Peninsula to Gardbar, a suburb of Iceland's capital Reykjavik. I know you guys are just impressed that I'm getting these. Seriously, I'm so drunk, I'm not even sure I'm reading them right. There was also a mining operation in 2011 that was scrapped due to a never-ending series of strange malfunctions and mishaps. I'm just going to say this about the Iceland people, and then I'm going to get back to the story. First of all, they have a very strong belief in the supernatural, and I applaud this. Because you know what? I think they're a little bit more in tune to this world than we are because they truly do believe from a young age all the way to like you could be as old as you want to be and they still believe that these things exist they don't even have to see them they just they just know the natural world and they see these things and it's like it exists it's good I like people like that they're committed to it well Anyways, back to the story. While the traditions of real elf sightings and encounters may be particularly strong in Iceland, it's certainly not the only place in the world with such stories. One account with a sinister feel to it allegedly, again in the U.S. in 1967, when the witness, known only as Tyler, claims to have had a rather harrowing encounter with elves of a seemingly evil nature. I'm guessing they weren't making him any shoes. Can I get the shoemaking elves? Because I want some shoes. Okay. According to Tyler, he and his two sisters lived in a farmhouse and would often climb out their bedroom window to go ride the horses in the early morning as their parents slept. One morning, Tyler's older sister, Clarice, was, I know, I'm sorry, I gotta stop again. (laughs) Clarice. Okay, I'm sorry. Silence of the Lambs. I'm sorry. All right. Clarice was climbing out the window as usual when she suddenly stopped short, let out a scream before scrambling back into the room. When she got over her initial shock and panic, she told her brother that she had seen four little men standing around in the bushes outside, which she described as demon elves from their disconcerting demeanor and appearance. Tyler thought it was just a joke and went outside to the bushes, the bushes where he saw nothing. This would be the end of it until years later when they were talking, they were all talking and the subject came up again. Clarice, who had thought she was the only one who had seen the creatures, was surprised to learn at this time that her younger sister Christy had also seen them that very same morning. In Christy's case, the elves had woken her up by scratching on her window as they cackled maniacally and called out her name. They would torment her for some time like this before slinking off. She had not thought anyone would believe her and had kept the story to herself just as Clarice had, so they were both quite surprised when they learned that they had both seen the creatures that same day. In October of 2003, a woman known only as KT claims that she had her own encounter with an elf at her home in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Apparently, she had been out on her patio with her toddler son, who suddenly turned to her and asked why a little man was sitting on the stone wall in their yard. KT looked to where her son was pointing, and although she could see no tiny person, she did notice that the air seemed to have a shimmery quality to it. A few months later, in January, KT was out in the yard with her husband when it began to snow. Thinking it to be a rather beautiful sight, KT went off for a short stroll while her husband watched the sun. As she walked along through the woods, she says that she had the sensation again of that shimmery look to everything around her, and that was when she rounded a bend to come face to face with a short, odd little man standing by a tree which she described as a stereotypical elf. The weird creature allegedly had a long, funny-shaped nose, pointy ears, long thin fingers, and lavender skin, and was dressed in red clothes and a long, pointed hat. The witness, of course, let out a startled cry, after which the elf vanished right before her eyes. I'm going to say, once again, the alcohol was running firm on that one. Another account from 2004 supposedly took place in Pimentooning Park, Pennsylvania. Say that six times fast. The witness claims that he had been having a picnic there with his family when he went off to take a hike through the trees. As he walked along, he said he could hear the sound of music coming from somewhere in the forest, and he went about trying to follow it to its source, which turned out to be a clearing some distance ahead. In this clearing, he claims he came across what looked like a little boy of around seven years of age, but with pointed ears and unnaturally dark green eyes. He was sitting on a tree stump and in his hands he had a wooden recorder, which is what had been issuing forth the haunting music. When the witness approached the strange little boy, he smiled and asked him if he would like to try playing with a voice described as sounding like a bell. The witness said he had to get back to his family, and the boy said that maybe they could play together some other time before getting up to walk off into the forest. The witness claims he went back to the spot several times over the years, but never saw the odd pointy-eared boy again. Although he claims that one time he left a piece of apple pie near the stump, and when he returned later, it had been replaced by a curious, smooth stone There have been supposed elf encounters reported from places as far away as South Africa as well. In 1986, the witness, known as Paul, was in Durban, South Africa, at the Mangrove Swamp's Nature Reserve, where he was hiking with five of his friends at around 6 p.m. along the swamp's main trail. They eventually came to a clearing that seemed to be lit up with numerous tiny flickering lights, as well as the rather unsettling sight of numerous little people around three feet in height, sitting around on stone formations that seemed almost like an amphitheater of sorts. Paul would save the surreal encounter, and I quote, We looked around and witnessed little people sitting in the illuminated rock formations and others who were interacting with each other. The light and forms we saw were of an ethereal light, clearly less dense than light we are familiar with. I estimated there to be about twenty to thirty of these little people. We were shocked and frightened by this phenomena we experienced. We turned and ran as fast as we could toward our vehicle. On arriving we tried to make sense of what we witnessed. We returned to the spot and saw nothing but bush. No lights, no little people, no rock formations, just bush. I'm so not touching that one. I'm gonna let that one go. As if gnomes and elves aren't already strange, quite of you guessed it, actual leprechauns. One of the weirdest of these occurred in the last place one might expect for a leprechaun sighting to be. In 2006, a large crowd converged to a mass on LeCrenn Street in Mobile, Alabama. When an NBC-affiliated news station, WPMI, arrived to see what all the commotion was about, they were told that a leprechaun had been spotted up in a tree, which had slowly materialized there out of nowhere and was hiding within the branches. One witness even produced a sketch of the alleged creature, Although the video of the scene, complete with commentaries by people who had, been, who had seen the creature, went viral on YouTube at the time, many thought it was all a St. Patrick's Day hoax. However, numerous witnesses were adamant that they had actually seen what has been known as the Alabama Leprechaun. I'm just going to say, does he have an Irish accent or does he have a southern twang? That's my question. With some swearing that they continued to cite the strange creature in the area afterwards. Considering the parodies made of the incident and all the fun poked at the story, it's nearly impossible to tell if there is anything more to this than just a big joke. But it is a truly weird tale all the same. The news video, perhaps not surprisingly, does not take any of it seriously at all and is just about as weird and as amusing as the story of the leprechaun in Mobile, Alabama itself. It's hard to even know where to begin when trying to understand such fantastical cases as these. When one gets over the fact that there are actual accounts of alleged gnomes, elves, and others from lore in the real world, we are left with numerous questions. What are these things and where do they come from? Are they flesh and blood or are they tenuous, spectral phantoms of some sort? How can fairy tale creatures possibly be real and where do they fit into our reality? Is it possible that the power of these ancient tales has permeated our consciousness to the point that they are projected onto reality through sheer force of the mind? If that's the case, I've got a naked Tom Hiddleston in my head. Let him appear. Hmm. Are they even real in any sense at all? Or are they the product of hoaxes, exaggeration, and tall tales? There's probably no one clear answer to any of these questions, and these cases remain just peeks into the world of the truly bizarre, where we can see through the window between things that are, and things that seemingly just can't be. Or can they? (laughs) And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of the episode. I thank you for joining me here today, and the luck of the Irish be on ya. I hope you take time to reach out to me, Share your thoughts on what you think, and no, you cannot have my pot of gold, so You can always reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com, and if you have suggestions for a future show, or you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line, because I do reply to all my emails. And on that note, my darlings, that's all the time we have for you tonight. Thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio, and don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love ya. mwah. mwah, mwah, mwah.